I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence, and you're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. With me to discuss the changing payments landscape in the UK is Andrew Boyajan, head of VRP at Tink. And we'll be delving into VRP a little later in our conversation, which gives you time to come up with a catchier name to promote to bemused consumers. So you're right. The payment landscape is changing. And actually, that's one of the things I really enjoy about working in payments is it's constantly evolving. And while it might look like it's getting more complicated, in some ways, it's actually getting simpler. And the cool things, in my opinion, about pay by bank is it is a great use of open banking technology that's aimed at creating choice for consumers, but also making payments safer and easier. So one of the things that we've seen over the last couple of years, of course, is the attention that's given to pay by bank and the idea then that this creates choice for consumers, that it's not just about uh, cards or it's not just about direct debits or other payment types, but now there's something new and there's something that's actually quite easy, quite fast and transparent for consumers to use. And it's really, really exciting. Well, it might be exciting for you, but I have two two issues I want to take up with you. First of all, I want to delve into how pay by bank works, but I want to come back to that. From the consumer's perspective, there are going to be all these flags waving at them saying, pay with me, pay by me, pay using this system, pay using that system. How do we tell the consumer which is the right one to use? It's a great question. And I think that it comes down then to choices that consumers have. So if you think about when you approach a till, for a point of sale transaction, you have a choice. You can choose to pay by cash, by credit card, by debit card, maybe even by check. And a lot of that choice- Excuse me, what's one of those? How easy it is. <laughs> I know, right? We still have them in the US. A lot of that choice is then geared around elements that you, the consumer, can control. So what is convenient for you? So just your question, what is a check? A check is no longer convenient for you, and it's probably not convenient for the person you're trying to give it to either. So instead, that choice has moved towards potentially cash or card. So the same thing is true for any type of payment scenario, where as a consumer, you should have choice. You should have then the empowerment to choose, I want to use pay by bank, or I want to use card, or I want to use direct debit. And some of the factors then that will go into that choice could be some of the protections that you as a consumer may have from that payment type. It could be the speed at which that payment type is going to create that payment and settle to the counterparty. Uh, there are many reasons or many attributes about why you would choose one particular type over another. But ultimately, I think it comes down to you as a consumer and understanding what you want to get out of that payment. All right, let's get into the nitty gritty of pay by bank. What is that? How does it actually work from a consumer's perspective? And why would I use it? What's the benefit? So Payback Bank is powered by open banking. And that's something that's come about then in the last handful of years, stemming from the second payment service directive, and then the implementation of that here in the UK under something called open banking with a capital O and a capital B. And at its core, it's quite simple. A consumer has the ability to pay directly from their bank account to a recipient. And it's quite easy. So a consumer can enter into, let's say, a checkout experience. They can select their bank and they can authorize then that payment. That payment is then made through the faster payment rails here in the UK from the consumer's account directly to the recipient's account. 
So it's all quite easy, it's quite fast, it's safe, and it's secure. I think from the consumer's perspective, the safety and security are probably the paramount concerns. As a consumer, I might not necessarily want to make a faster payment. I might want to have it a little bit slower just for my budgetary purposes, but that's a separate issue. Okay, so that's pay by bank, but how do things like variable recurring payments fit into that? So a variable recurring payment is the evolution then of pay by bank. When we think about that experience that I just spoke of, it really aligns itself to a single payment. So the idea that I might choose to pay my tax bill through a single payment. But if we think about our payment behaviors, oftentimes they're repeated. So I might go and visit the same merchant, or I might be looking at paying a utility bill or my rent. And that's a regular occurrence of a payment. So what a variable recurring payment does is it addresses then the repeated behaviors within payments but aims to create that simplicity, that ease of a single immediate payment. So I can walk through that flow. As a consumer, what I might do is I might create a mandate, very similar to a direct debit mandate, that gives general rules around when a payment can occur, such as the maximum value of a payment. And as long as those rules are honored, then a merchant can initiate a payment uh, to satisfy a bill or rent, anything that I've given my permission for. It functions a lot like a direct debit, but it brings in elements of something like a card on file where payments can occur in the background and they can occur at various amounts or various times as long as they sit within the rules that I as a consumer have set. We've been talking within the industry about variable recurring payments, VRP is the acronym, for a couple of years now, it feels like. How is adoption going? How is, is, is this actually happening? It is happening, and that's what's really terrific about it. And if I drop into an acronym, please let me know, and I'm happy to use the full word. (laughs) VRPs have been around now for some time. They were part of the initial competition and market authority order against the top nine retail banks in the UK. The competition and market authority order talked about variable recurring payments, but they talked about a specific kind, which is called sweeping VRP. And payments can be very confusing in all of its terms. But what the Competition and Market Authority was trying to convey is that there should be a way for consumers to handle payments to themselves, meaning a consumer should be able to rapidly and easily move money from one account that they own to another account that they own. So a good example there is moving funds from a current account directly into a savings account. And As you know, as a consumer, at times you may want to put more money into a savings account or less money, depending on what your day-to-day obligations are. So that gave rise to the idea of the variability in VRP, or variable recurring payments. But the CMA order limited VRP just to those personal financial management transactions or meet-to-meet transactions. However, they recognized that there are many other use cases that could benefit from something like VRP, given its transparency, the level of control that it gives consumers, as well as the speed of the payment. The CMA has looked at those and has generally called them commercial VRP. But commercial VRP is entirely optional. So it's not part of the requirement. Banks didn't need to build out the infrastructure for it. So what we see now is that sweeping VRP is growing. It's now over a million or so successful payment API calls per month. 
which is terrific news. And we're beginning then to see banks move and adopt a view or a vision of what commercial VRP could be. So one bank in the UK, NatWest, currently has commercial VRP live. And it's available then if a merchant has subscribed to a TPP and is offering that service then to their customer base. Other banks are also looking to pilot this. And it's exciting because we've spent the last summer engaged with uh, the PSR, which is part of the Joint Regulatory Oversight Committee, to look at how it is that commercial VRP could be brought to the UK in a more universal stance. Is that happening? Where where do we stand right now? What's the, the, the stage in the process? So the PSR, the Payment Systems Regulator, has spent the summer drafting then a blueprint of what it would take to get commercial VRP to a more ubiquitous stance in the UK market. And we're actually quite excited to hear feedback on that blueprint from the Joint Regulatory Oversight Committee. And our expectation then is that that blueprint will form the basis of work to take place throughout, let's say, the first half of 2024 to develop then a view of some standards then that banks or third-party providers could use in order to build the APIs, think about a target customer experience, and handle any type of payment volumes that relate to simple, lower-risk payments, such as bill payments, tax payments, or maybe some of those personal financial management payments that don't sit neatly inside that sweeping VRP definition. Okay, so this is still, how can I put this, work in progress? It is a work in progress, but it is moving, and it is moving in uh, what we at Tink think is a really nice direction, because we're creating then more dialogue amongst participants, in this case amongst banks and TPPs, to figure out what is that best path forward. And where can we see that there's alignment and agreement on payment use case, on what those API standards or structures should be? And a sense, it's ensuring then that all parties are speaking the same language and are on the same page in the book so that we create a product that really is putting customers first. Well, it has to to be a product that customers will use or will want to use. So apart from anything else, you've got to call it by a catchy name. We talk about open banking in the industry. We talk about VRPs, variable recurring payments, in the industry. But you've got to sell that to the average bank customer. That's exactly right. And are you saying that you don't think that VRP is a catchy name? Potentially not. So I think that there is work to be done around how it is that new payment technology, inclusive of VRP, can be packaged and communicated down then to retail bank consumers and users. And one of the things that we like about the term pay by bank is it is so simple and it is exactly then what a consumer is doing. They're paying through their bank, they're paying by their bank. And it wouldn't surprise me then to see that part of this work that the PSR and JRUC are looking at is around that piece. What do we call this? So VRP, it's a terrific technical name. From anyone who's in payments, we would see that and understand immediately what it is. But I think to your point, it's not a household name. And as these conversations between banks and TPPs and folks like JRock develop, I do think that there's going to be some consideration to how do we create a household name for what this is. I'm going to throw one other little stumbling block at you, or I think a potential stumbling block, because I'd be interested to hear your your take on on this. 
if I pay by credit card, I have certain consumer protections. Now, if I pay by bank, I'm assuming those do not apply. So it depends on the types of protections that you're actually considering. So if you're using a credit card, of course, you have some of the protections from Section 75 of the Consumer Credit Act. But if you're looking to pay by bank, you still do have protections. While Section 75 wouldn't apply because you're not using a credit product, you still have rights as a consumer under the Consumer Rights Act of 2015. So really, there's a questioning then around not so much do you have rights, because you, of course, do as a consumer, but it's how do you access those? And that's one of the challenges then that is being addressed in the blueprint uh, that's been pieced together over the summer between banks and TPPs is how is it that a consumer can look and access some of these rights that would be something similar to, say, the Bax's Direct Debit Guarantee, where you could pinpoint if there's an issue with your payment, a technical issue, let's say a wrong amount, something like that, and then take action on it. And what's good about that type of protection is that it already exists. So in the payment service regulations of 2017, there is a clear direction then for banks as well as for third-party providers about that type of issue with a payment and how it needs to be handled and resolved for you, the actual payer. Final thought then, timescale. You're talking about a blueprint being created. You're talking about meetings being held. At what stage, when do you think everybody's going to get on board with this? NatWest, you say, have uh, commercial VRPs available now. When do we expect to see the other major banks or all the other banks also offer this kind of service? What I think we'll see in 2024 is many banks begin to build out then the infrastructure needed for a commercial VRP. And they're doing so on their own voluntary basis, but then they're also likely going to be doing so in coordination with this blueprint, with what JROC has in mind. So I think that 2024 is going to be a building year where you're going to see some banks come online, you're going to see other banks begin that investment process. And all of this will ramp to probably in and around 2025 or so, which is when you're going to see much more participation and truly the benefits then of conversations like this blueprint work in terms of bringing banks to the table, creating those right standards, as well as that target customer experience. So just like any new payment method, there's going to be a ramp up into it. And I think we've been on that ramp, but we're now at a point where that ramp's incline is steepening a bit more. And that's the indication then of more and more banks building out this technology and getting on board. Andrew Boyajan, head of VRP Tink.